So what does a neighbor look like? That's the kind of question that Jesus was asked when he uh, responded with a story. He told a story about a guy who was walking down the dangerous road. It was the kind of road that was super narrow. Uh, it, it had ditches on the side of this road that were sort of like cliffs. I mean, it just dropped off. It, it winded back and forth. It was, it was a road that uh, had so many different places for thieves and, and folks that didn't have good intentions to hide and, and wait for travelers to pass by. And, and this guy was heading down this road when, when two men jumped out from one of those hiding places and they, they grabbed him and they beat him up and they, they stole his money and they, they threw him down the side of the road. He sort of tumbled down that ditch to the laying at the bottom, just, just beaten, uh, taken, robbed of all of his money. They, they left him there not knowing if he was dead or alive. I, uh, over Christmas break, uh, my, my son Clayton was home from college, and, and I called one afternoon. I must have called late enough because he answered. And I said, hey, do you want to get some lunch? And he said, sure. And I said, well, are your sisters there? Do they want? And one of them wanted to go as well. And so we, we met at the Chick-fil-A for lunch. And we went into the Chick-fil-A, and we, we ordered, and we ate, and we did our thing. And we, we left, and, and we were walking out. And, and my son pointed out, and don't, don't blame him him he's been conditioned by me he pointed out this car that was backed into a parking spot for a quick getaway you know we back in for a quick getaway and he backed in and and it was uh taking up not just one spot but kind of two spots it was overlapping and so that's the reason this car caught his eye and he said what you know this guy thinks he needs two spots right and I said yeah and as we're walking by Lacey looked in and she said there's a baby in that car and I said, no, I mean, the windows were tinted, and so I thought, well, if there's a baby in the car, somebody else is in the car, you know, and, and so uh, we just sort of stopped, and we were, we were peering into the car for a, for a moment. That guy left for, for dead on the side of the road. In Jesus' story, uh, he, uh, he has some heroes that will enter the picture shortly, and, and so uh, I imagine that guy beaten up, and, and uh, I don't know if, you know, in the story, I imagine him just sort of half-conscious, conscious, you know, he just kind of only making sense of things a little bit. Maybe his eyes were swollen, and so he had trouble seeing out of them. And, and so he's peering up and looking at this road and hoping for somebody to come along. And Jesus said that uh, a priest happened down the road. And, and I imagine that this fellow who's, who's waiting for some help thinks in, in his day and age that you know, there wasn't a better person that could come by. This is a guy who, who uh, is, his whole life is devoted to knowing God and knowing about God and knowing the things of God. And so surely this will be a guy who will help him. And so he's looking up and he thought, man, my day has been terrible. It's just been awful, but it's about to get better because somebody is here to help. And, and so I wonder how he felt when that priest saw him in the ditch and then crossed over to the other side of the road and just kept walking. I wonder what he thought when a Levite, a, a, another member of the, of the temple uh, court, the guy who was in, involved in, in keeping up the, the temple, walked down that road and he thought, okay, well, this the guy, you know, he's, he's really, the, the priest makes sense, you know, he's kind of, uh, he's got things to do and he's busy and, and uh, you know, but the Levite, he's like, he's like the youth pastor. He really does the work. You know, and so this guy, he'll stop and help me out. And, and I'm sure that's what he thought until the, the Levite saw him in the ditch. 
And he walked to the other side of the road. And he just kept going. Well, Lacey pointed out that, that car, and Clayton pointed out the car. Lacey said, I think there's a baby in the car. The windows were tinted, and I'm old. So I had to walk up to the car, you know, and I, I walked up to the car, and I, I leaned in, and I'm looking. I felt weird because I'm by the driver's side door, and I thought, surely somebody's in this car. And I, I half expected somebody to kind of pound on the window. Hey, back up, you know. And, and, but I'm looking in the car, and, and I see the car seat, and I think maybe those are just, nope, there's a baby in the car seat, and nobody else in the car. And, and so I'm looking in and the car starts beeping at me. You know, I haven't tried to open the door or anything. I haven't touched the car. I'm just leaning in and the, the car starts making noises and beeping at me. So I think, okay, so the owner sees me and I'm just going to stand here and I'm just going to wait until the owner comes out. And, and uh, you know, we can kind of, I can remind him that his, you know, your baby is in the car. And, and so I'm just standing there as the, as the, uh, as the car is beeping at me. That guy's seen a priest walk by, he's seen a Levite walk by. These would be, uh, it'd sort of be like a, a doctor and a nurse or a paramedic and a police officer passing by. You know, these are the two best options perhaps for assistance here. And, and he's just left and wondering what in the world is going to happen when a, another gentleman walks by. And I, I don't suppose he would have known right away that this guy was a Samaritan, that they were supposed to not like each other. But that's who this guy was. And he saw, he saw the Jewish man lying in the ditch and he went down and he picked him up and he, he put him on his, his donkey and took him into town. He, he paid for some nights in the inn and told the innkeeper, you know, take care of him and, and I'm going to come back through town and whatever the bill is, I'll catch up when I come back through town. I want you to, I want you to take care of this man and, until he's better. And so he, he provides for a way for this man uh, to, to heal up and and uh, this unexpected hero uh, shows up in this guy's life and and uh, allows him to uh, to get better. So I'm leaning in the car. The car is beeping at me and and uh, finally somebody comes out, walks out the door of the restaurant, and they're standing by the door of the restaurant and they said, "Hey, get away from my car!" And I'm trying to think. I, I'm I don't really want to shout across the parking lot. Your kid's in the car. Nobody else is in the car. Having been a dad who may or may not have forgotten once or twice that his grade school daughter needed picked up from grade school, I mean, I understand things happen, right? And so I, I just assume that this guy has maybe had his mind on the chicken sandwich and forgot that kid was in the backseat of the car. And I'm like, so I say, I'm trying to sort of whisper yell, you know, your baby is in the car, he said, get away from my car. And so I speak up a little louder. Your baby is in the car. And he said, I know, I can see her from here. And I thought, yeah, but your baby is in the car. <laughs> you know, and so that's sort of what, your baby, you got to come out here and get your baby. And he said, I can see her. Is she crying? And I said, N no. No but your baby is in the car. <laughs> and so I'm just standing there waiting for this, this guy to come over to the car. And finally, he, he makes his way to the car. And, and so he's at the car. And I said, okay, let's go. And we start to walk away and thinking uh, our good deed is done for the day, right? We've, we've sort of rescued this baby from uh, this situation. And, and all is good. We've, we've been 
a neighbor. We, we all need to be and we can be a neighbor just like that good Samaritan in the story that Jesus told. We can, we can care for and love and, and meet needs of, of those around us. We can be a neighbor. And I think in this story that Jesus tells uh, and this conversation that he has with some religious leaders and the story that he tells them in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, we learn three principles that we need to put in place in our life in order to be a neighbor. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 25. We're going to read through verse 37 as we take a look at, at this story that Jesus tells about uh, somebody being a neighbor. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. This is what God's Word says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. All right, a, an interesting story, a famous story that Jesus tells about this, this hero, this unlikely hero to this Jewish man who was in, in a precarious situation. He tells it in response to a question that was asked by this uh, religious leader, by this expert in the law. In verse 25, we read, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to a test, t saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This was a guy who, who was seeking, asking Jesus a question. And, and uh, we, we sort of debate, go back and and forth uh, about why this guy was asking the question. We don't really know. Perhaps he was seeking, he was already an enemy of Jesus, and he was seeking uh, for Jesus to answer in some way that he could prosecute him, that he could, he could use it and lord it over Jesus. He was looking for some way to trap Jesus, perhaps. Perhaps he was only there as a spy, you know, he was sort of incognito, and he was, he was supposed to find out for the Sanhedrin, for the other religious leaders, who in the world this Jesus guy really was. Or maybe he had just a legitimate question. You know, it, it is, after all, a question that every one of us has asked. Uh, that's probably why we're here this morning. If we have, haven't asked it before, maybe we're asking it right now. Well, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We might ask it in a little different way. We might say, you know, what do I have to do to be right with God? How can I keep God from being angry with me? How can I, how can I get back in God's good graces? What do I need to do to be in this right relationship, to be okay with with God. It's a question that all of us ask because there are all kinds of hurts 
that show up in this room. We think about this story, and there are some obvious pains that the man on the road to Jericho uh, went through. He was beaten up, he was robbed, he was thrown left uh, half dead on on the side of the road. He was in obvious physical danger. There were some physical uh, hurts that had to be addressed right away in the story. Uh, Represented in this room are all kinds of physical hurts. We're dealing with diagnoses that we don't really want to deal with. We're dealing with chronic pain that we wish would would go away. We're, we're, We're trying to figure out how we make it through from day to day because of just some of the physical pain in our life that takes all kinds of different shapes. And sometimes, like this man on the road and the the, the priest first and then the Levite and finally the Samaritan who happens by, it was obvious to every one of them that this guy is dealing with some hurts. He's in trouble. Uh, Certainly, uh, sometimes the physical pain is the easiest to see. But if we're not dealing with physical pain, then I know every one of us to some degree or another is struggling with some sort of emotional hurt some kind of emotional pain. And in our insensitivity, uh, often we rush past those just as viable and just as painful hurts in the lives of people we care about. They're represented in this room in all sorts of ways. Every one of us is dealing with that. And sometimes because of that physical pain and sometimes because of that emotional pain, we're also dealing with some spiritual hurts. And maybe that's the religious leader's situation in this conversation with Jesus. Perhaps he's asking a legitimate question, a real question. How do I get right with God? How do I make sure this relationship really matters? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, uh, we want to be a place where you can, you can come and find support for all of those hurts. And, and uh, we know that, that the enemy just, just seeks to use the physical hurts, the emotional pain, the, the spiritual uh, emptiness that sometimes we're all dealing with to, to cause as much havoc as possible. John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So we can ask this question along with the religious leader. How do I get right with God? What do I do to inherit eternal life? In verse 26, Jesus has this great way of responding to these questions all the time. And he knows, he knows just the right way to, to respond. And, and he asks, uh, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Because if this guy is an expert in the law, you know, Jesus knew what most of us know. What do experts love the most? Uh, they love to talk about their expertise, don't they? And so he said, what, what, what's in the law? You've read it, you've studied it, you know it. What does it say? Verse 27 says, And the man answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He dives into the law and he, he recites for Jesus Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 that says we have to love our God with all that we are. And he goes to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 that says we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. And he knows as an expert in the law that these two most important laws, these two most important rules given to him in the law by his God are laws that cannot be separated. They're laws that go together. They're linked together. They're locked together. You have to, if you have one, you desperately need the other. 
Uh, my daughter Zoe is a little bit of a picky eater. I don't know where she gets it from. I mean, I, I'm not a picky eater, and, and uh, our family mostly is not, but, but on occasion, she's a little bit picky, and, and she, uh, especially with sandwiches, she has some odd choices, like, you know, peanut butter and jelly. You make a peanut butter sandwich. You know that, as, as an American, that you should put jelly on that peanut butter sandwich. Zoe, though, says, no jelly. I just want peanut butter. No jelly on that sandwich. Uh, you, ham and cheese. Zoe likes the ham and cheese sandwiches. We know that, you know, if you have a ham and cheese sandwich, you ought to put some mustard on that, maybe. You know, I could accept some mayonnaise, perhaps, on the ham and cheese sandwich. You put that on the bread because, you know, we're not in prison. <laughs> Zoe, though, no, nothing on the ham, just ham and cheese and bread. A hot dog. This is all-American meal. You know, if you eat a hot dog, you should put mustard on the hot dog. Uh, if you're under, like, 18, I'll accept ketchup on that hot dog as well. That's okay. All right, you put the ketchup and the mustard on the hot dog, and you eat the hot dog. Zoe, though, just hot dog and bun. No ketchup, no mustard. Communist. I don't, I don't know where I went wrong. Because these things, they just go together. If you have peanut butter, you have to have jelly. That makes the sandwich. Well, we're dealing with something way more important than peanut butter and jelly. But we know, the expert in the law knew what we ought to know today, that these two most important laws go together. You can't have one without the other. The Apostle John said it like this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love God. His brother. If we want to love God with all that we are, that means that we must be a neighbor. And the expert in the law, and really each one of us, this is the everything you needed to learn, you learned in kindergarten sort of thing. I mean, we understand this. We understand that we ought to exercise and live out kindness and love in our lives. And so we know that to love God means to love others and to be a neighbor. And, and we understand that the first principle is that knowing what is right is easy. Having the right answer, that's sort of the easy part. The, the expert in the law, he knew right away he didn't have to study, he didn't have to dive in, he didn't have to go home and do a, a, a search on Google. He knew that what it means to, to, to inherit eternal life is to love God and to love others. That's what's necessary. Jesus in verse 28 said, uh, you've answered correctly, ding, 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 you, you're right. And then he followed up with this though. Do this. Do this. Those two important, tricky words. Do this and you will live. Principle number one is knowing what is easy, knowing what is right is easy. Uh, the, the, the trick, I suppose, is principle number two, doing what is right is hard. Actually, doing what is right is hard. Jesus uh, told, told the expert in the law, go and do this and you will live. Uh, the expert in the law replied in verse 29 by saying, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He's a lawyer after all, and so he wants to narrow the parameters, right? What does it look like to be a neighbor? Who do I have to love uh, as myself? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied in verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half 
dead. Everybody would have recognized that this makes a lot of sense. That road, the road to Jericho was dangerous still to this day. It's narrow and windy and, and sort of scary to drive on as I understand it. And so there were all sorts of places for somebody to hide in, in order to carry out this robbery. Now, by chance, in verse 31, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw uh, him, he passed by on the other side. In verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. For, for somebody in, in Jesus' day uh, to be you know, left for dead on the side of the road, robbed, you know, beaten, in desperate need of help. If I'm in that situation and I make a list of who I want to pass by, I probably don't start with preacher, to be real honest. I start with like paramedic or doctor or nurse. I want somebody who can do something, right? Who can bandage the wounds, you know? But in Jesus' day, the, the list it wouldn't have been better. These are the two prime candidates for somebody who's going to help this Jewish guy left on the side of the road for dead. And so he must have just, his heart had to sink when these guys went to the other side of the road and walked by. Why in the world would they do that? Some uh, Bible scholars say, well, it's because uh, priests and, and Levites had to remain ceremonially clean in order to serve in the temple. Uh, now, what we know is, is that, that priests and, and Levites sort of worked on a rotation in the temple. And we know just geographically from the story that they were traveling down the Jericho Road. In other words, they were going away from Jerusalem. Their time of service in the temple was ended. I'm not sure that excuse... I, I'm pretty sure that that excuse wouldn't have carried real weight with Jesus anyway, but Jesus just wants to alleviate any excuses here, right? These guys knew what it means to love God. They knew what it means to serve God, and they just made a list of reasons that they ought not do that. It's so easy to read this story and to think, what jerks, right? For sure, I would have stopped, Certainly, I would have cared about them. It wouldn't have been this preacher who would have drove right by the situation. But man, we've all made a list before, haven't we? We've all had those reasons, and sometimes it's just that we, we think maybe the situation, rightly so, is too dangerous. Sometimes it's, it's, we think, well, that person is just not the kind of person that I want to hang out. You know, we have all sorts of reasons that we add to the list of why I might just go by the situation. There's this old story that's told about a, a woman. She's going on a trip, so she was at the airport getting ready to board a plane, and there were some stores there at the airport, and she's in and out of a few. And, and at once, she saw a bag of chocolate chip cookies. She said, this would be a great snack for as I wait for the plane, so she buys a bag of chocolate chip cookies. And uh, she goes out and through, through some more stores and finally takes a seat in the waiting room, and this other gentleman comes and sits down uh, right next to her, and, and she's kind of looking him over and thinking, I, you know, I... I don't want to be rude, but I probably ought to just get up and, and uh, change seats. I don't, I don't want to hang out next to this guy. When he reaches over and he, he gets a cookie and starts to eat it. And she's like, what in the world? You know, how dare this guy? You know, he, he sits right next to me, first of all, what's he thinking? And secondly, he's eating my cookies. And so she, she's too scared, though, to say something. You know, she doesn't want that sort of verbal confrontation, confrontation. And so she reaches into the bag and kind of looks him in the eye for a minute, takes the cookie, starts to eat it. That'll teach him. You know, stay out of my cookies. 
Well, the man just smiles and waves. He obviously doesn't know English. He, he's not talking uh, to her about the cookie. And so in a few minutes, though, he reaches in the bag and he gets another cookie. And her anger is building. She's like, what in the world? This guy is eating another cookie. He hasn't. So she reaches in the bag and she takes two cookies. These are my cookies. And she starts to eat the two cookies. He smiles and waves, takes two cookies and eats. This is how it goes back and forth, back and forth, until the entire bag of cookies is gone. They finally call for the people to get on the airplane. She grabs her bag in a huff, storms onto the plane. She's still upset and thinking about the nerve of this guy to eat her cookies when she sits down in a huff in the seat, slams her bag on the ground to put it under the seat, and looks into the bag to discover her full bag of chocolate chip cookies. She was eating that other guy's cookies. <laughs> you know, we, we make these lists of why we ought not get involved and why they're treating us that way and maybe they'll rip us off if we, if we help and all these reasons that we ought to stay out of it and they ought to mind their cookies and I'll mind my cookies and we forget that we're kind of at the end of the day all in the same boat. Right? We're, we're all in the same need of, of help. This guy's looking at, at, these, at his two best hopes pass by. And, and people are hearing this story. This all Jewish audience is hearing this story when Jesus drops this sort of story bomb into the middle. Right? Just blows up the whole thing. Uh, at, to this point, everybody's sort of on the same page. And they're sitting back and they're thinking, man, I can't believe those guys didn't help. I bet I would have helped. Yeah, maybe I would have helped. Probably I would have helped. When Jesus says in verse 30, but a Samaritan, a Samaritan, this is a, uh, well, in, in today's language, we, we just say this was an Arab. I, I don't know if you're aware, but Jews and Arabs have sort of this long-standing kind of relational issue. It goes all the way back to the story of Abraham. And so when Jesus' all-Jewish audience would hear those words, they would pay attention. They would say, it's getting interesting. What in the world is this guy going to do to this poor fellow? But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I came back. That's just... Uh, truth bomb. It's a bomb in the story. This, this guy, uh, they would have never expected a Samaritan to be the hero to help this man out, to be the neighbor in the story. We, we sometimes need to not pay so much attention to keeping track of our own cookies and, and be willing to share and just to, to live a life where we, we are, are, are a neighbor to others, that, that doing the right thing is really the difficult part. We can't rush past verse 28. Jesus asked, what does the law say? And the man knew right away. He had the answers. And in verse 28, Jesus just gives him those two words, do this. 
Live like this and you'll know eternal life. Live like this and your relationship with God will be right. Love God with all that you are and love others as yourself. Be a neighbor. Be a neighbor. Even when somebody doesn't look like us, even when somebody doesn't talk like us, even when somebody doesn't like the same things that we like, especially when somebody will not be able to pay us back. Be a neighbor. I heard one preacher say that kindness is the language the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Everybody can make sense of kindness, of love. Doing the right thing is difficult. It's really principle number three that we probably could have only had two. Principle number three is just get busy. Jesus said, do this, get busy. He responds to the man when, in verse 28 by saying, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the man said in verse 37, 36 and 37, sorry, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Do this. Go and do likewise. Get busy being a neighbor. So maybe that means at lunch today, if you have the resources to do it, pick up the tab for the table next to you. Maybe that means just doing something when you stop at the grocery store the next day, pushing the cart of, of the guy unloading his groceries back to the, back to the store for him, into the, into the cart uh, bin for him, taking care of that. We, we were at this fundraiser for Lacey's uh, softball team, and, and Lacey and her friends thought they were being cute. They said, oh, we can get rich if we walk around and we just ask the parents, hey, do you have a quarter? Because everybody will give you a quarter. If they have a quarter, you ask, hey, can I borrow a quarter? And they'll give you a quarter. So they thought they were being really hilarious. And they go around, they ask parents, you know, do you have a quarter? And finally they get to their coach and they ask, hey, coach, do you have a quarter? And he said, well, no, I don't have a quarter. I was at Aldi and I left it in the cart. And the girls look at him and they're like, don't you know you're supposed to get the quarter back? You know, you take the cart and you get the quarterback and you said, well, of course I know, but sometimes you pay it forward, right? And I don't know if he was just, you know, wise to the scam, right? And I don't want to give you a quarter, so I'm going to tell you this story. Or if that's a simple act of kindness, right? Ridiculous as a quarter, unless you don't have a quarter and you're at oldie, and then that's a pretty big act of kindness, right? Uh, so just simple things we can do to, to love other people, to be a neighbor, to meet some of those, the, the needs, and way more important than that, do what you can. It's important, I think, to note what doesn't happen in this story. Because uh, the, the Samaritan, you know, maybe he stayed for a night or whatever, and, and the next day, you know, the, the Jewish man doesn't wake up and look at the Samaritan who says, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. I left a couple of uh, dollars with the innkeeper, and that'll cover for a while. And I, I told him I'll take care of the bill when I come back through next week, so don't worry about it. I, I'm going to take off, though. I've got this uh, business meeting I'm, I'm heading to. I was on my way. I'm, I'm out of here. And, and the, the Jewish man doesn't say, well, how insensitive. Why are you leaving? Right? You notice the Samaritan doesn't like, he takes the guy to an inn, he doesn't take him to his house. He, he, he exercises some judgment. I heard one preacher say that the, the, we call the story the Good Samaritan, not the Great Samaritan. Right? All I'm saying is do what you can. Okay? Don't write off the list of, of being a neighbor because we can't do the next thing, because we think that's too much. We, we have all kinds of different ways you can serve and be a neighbor here at Wallula even. I'm thinking about ministries like our, our kids' ministries, our student ministries. I'm thinking about our weekday preschool. I'm thinking about uh, Third Thursdays and Backpack Buddies and 
uh, serving in the shelter of hope, all sorts of different ways that we can love others and be a neighbor in our community. You know, to, to just be kind to others and, and help meet some of those, those needs that, that people experience in their life. I, I met with uh, one of the ladies who, who helps run our third Thursday ministry this week. She just stopped by the office. She'd received a letter from some other folks. And in this letter, they, they had gone through uh, the different uh, community meals that are hosted. Our third Thursday is just one of several community meals that take place uh, throughout uh, the weeks and, and every month here in, in Leavenworth. And they had toured these different community meals and they said, we noticed some things about these community meals. They said, we noticed that some of these community meals use uh, plates and, and glasses and then wash those plates and glasses after the meal. And, and some use paper plates and paper products and that sort of thing. And, and your meal, you know, you, you, you take these carry-out meals. We, we serve a, a community kind of away from where that meal is served. 150 meals, I think, go to that community every uh, third Thursday. And they said, we notice you use styrofoam, you know, containers to do that carry-out. And we really think we need to th- uh, consider how to be more environmentally fr- friendly and, and think about this. And I said, that's a legitimate concern as we're having this conversation. Yeah, we should think about that. And I said, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we've, we've tried that and we've done that in the past and we went to this and it just works better for us and this is what we want to do moving forward. And I said, keep doing that. Right? There will always be a list. There will always be a list of sometimes really legitimate problems, important concerns, right? That, that will add on and say, well, all of these things, you have, to, you have to check this box and this box and this box in order to do this one thing. And, and I don't think that's true. I think to be a neighbor, we can, we can serve where we're at. We can love who we meet. We can, we can resource what we can resource. It, the, the issue you see in front of you, meet that need, solve that problem. Love in that way. Though there can always be a list that we can get to later. Don't let the list keep you from, from just getting busy and serving and loving. Well, I was walking away from that car in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. And uh, here's a quick lesson, okay? I'm going to give you for free ahead of time. Uh, Just walk away, right? Just walk away. That's, that's a lesson you ought to remember. But the guy had come out, and, and so, you know, we were feeling pretty good. Like, we, we kind of, basically, we saved this baby's life. You know, I'm feeling pretty good, and this is a good thing. We, we did a good thing, and, and so we're walking away, and, and uh, this guy shouts at me as we're walking away, don't ever get near my car again. Like, yeah, I'm following your car around. I don't, you know, okay, right. Uh, we got it, and we're walking away. And he said, do you know where your bleeping kids are? Just walk away. Right? But I'm with my kids, and I'm like, yeah, I do. They're right here, and they're old enough to feed themselves and get a drink of water when they want and to get out of the car on their own. Just walk away. Right? And so I I keep going. And he said, I better not ever see you bleeping near my car again. And I turn around, and I'm literally at this point yelling in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, I was the good Samaritan. 
all right, this is what I'm not sure of. If you have to yell that you're the Good Samaritan, <laughs> I'm not sure if you are, all right? That's what I'm not sure of. But I know that serving and loving and just trying to do the right thing is not always easy. And I know for sure that if I'm involved, sometimes I'm going to mess it up. And I'm going to shout at the guy, I'm the good Samaritan, when I ought to just walk away. But we can't let even our shortcomings, our faults, I'm, I'm glad I waited till the guy came out to get his baby, right? I think that was the right thing to do. Don't let the list that we add keep us from just doing this. And you will live. Let's stand and worship him.